Welcome to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and staff achieve peak economic and practice efficiency so there is time and energy to focus on patient care and a happy life. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-hosts, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter. Welcome to episode 49 of the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-hosts, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter. And in this episode, we are going to be answering some some questions that came in to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Group and also on our uh, PRS community. So the first question we have is, our patients bring in their own testosterone and we bill out the administration code 96372. Is the NDC number required to be documented? Thank you. And also, there's a kind of a follow-up that says, we do document J-code, diagnosis, patient provided, amount given, lot number, and expiration. All right, good. So, it, it was good of her to add that on there. That's required documentation that's there. Um, but it it is kind of interesting. With all the changes going on with buy and build drugs and you know the the fact that the margins are slim enough that and and you've got the payers that are requiring brown bagging or white bagging which are kind of two different ways that patients have drug without the physician buying it Um, but they're there to get it administered by the physician so you know technically white bagging is when a specialty pharmacist ships it into you um, and it's got the patient's name on it, and the patient um, actually has to pay any deductibles, copays, or whatever to the specialty pharma group, and not to the physician. And then brown bagging is, of course, the the patient picked it up from the pharmacy, and they've already paid for everything, and so then they bring it in for you to to inject. And it can happen with more than just testosterone. Um, but the, the appropriate way to bill, um, according to the regs, is you would list the administration code, your 96372, with a KX modifier to inform them that it was, you know, the drug was supplied by someone else. Um, and then you do list the appropriate J code. Um, you need to put in the appropriate units. Um, the thing that's different is you're going to charge zero uh, dollars or a penny um, to that for that particular code. And it is appropriate to put your NDC and dosing in the appropriate, you know, box 19. So you do list everything. They are trying to track that and tie everything back to the patient. Um, and, uh, you know, of, of course, there are some payers who handle it a little bit differently, but that is the appropriate coding. So the short answer, or I gave you the long answer, but the short answer is yes. You do need to build, list the NDC code. You do list the J code, and you do list the number of units on the claim in addition to your normal documentation um, for all drugs that are given in your office, which is the drug, the dosing, the patient's name, the lot number, and the expiration date. Um, all of that is important for tracking if there's recall or anything else that's out there. And yes, 
the payers do try and match those things. So put it on the bill. Well, if you're you're scheduling and you're providing the service of administration, what's the reason? Why why would you have ha- why would you accept a patient with their own drug bringing their own drug in? I mean, you're you're obviously losing the six percent or whatever percentage it is from uh, from Medicare, or if it's a private payer, is there you know is it more of a patient convenience? Or what's the reason for white bagging and brown bagging, and why would you accept that? So there are multiple reasons. Um, so probably the the very beginning reason was the payer required it. So there are a lot of payers who uh, have gotten better deals by buying direct from specialty pharma or from manufacturers, and or they can like United Healthcare bought Walgreens, right? So <laughs> I mean. So they own their own suppliers. They own their own PBMs. They're, they're pharmacy benefit managers. Um, so they that was one thing. So it might be a payer requirement. Um, number two um, would be uh, the patient's benefit package. Um, now, most of the services that are injections that are provided in a physician office fall under Medicare Part B, Incident to Physician Services. So they get uh, reimbursed and paid for out of their Part B benefits. But there are some uh, Part D plans, which is are your prescription drug benefit plans, that your patients hit their deductibles because they've got other things going on, and they may want to explore the options of the Part D benefit package so they don't have to pay out of pocket. And then there's the physician side, which is the worst payer in the country, by far, is the patient, um, and and missing one um, drug, and and especially a big drug, can wipe out your six percent for the entire month, um, even just a deductible. So, you know, the margins aren't really what they used to be. They've, they've driven that down. So, um, if you run a tight ship, yes, there is some uh, money to be made on drugs, but uh, the the way that they've changed everything over time, it's not as easy as it used to be. And there are a lot of practices who have basically decided that chasing after patients for money and their for their copays and deductibles and everything related to their drugs is one too many step. So how would you recommend if you were setting up your your practice, uh, what would you do? A combination of all the above, like many are, or would you Try and steer it a certain way. Um, well, so the, that's a general question with a general answer on all this. So, um, I mean, the, the reality is it depends on your practice, right? I mean, some practices are are better equipped to collect money than others. And so, uh, you know, ideally, you would set up a practice that had um, enough of the right people and you were doing all the prior offs and pre-certs to make sure that you didn't miss anything. You had to dot your I's and cross your T's. So a well-organized, well-run office can absolutely do better by with buy and bill with the exception of those plans that don't allow you to do that. So, and, and that those seem to be a growing number of plans. So 
it's going to be out there that you're going to have to deal probably in most markets with at least some white bagging or brown bagging, even if you're a, a well-oiled machine that can handle buy and bill for everything. Um, so knowing how to deal with white with white and brown bagging is is a part of life these days. So you can never do it totally one way, um, but if your main goal was to be a buy and bill shop or a group that did buy and bill, then you, you get your collections team up, get your patient facing interfaces and the financials ready to go and, and do a good job. And, 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 and that requires prior awesome pre-certs. Ray, anything to add uh, to the discussion? No, I think that's uh, a good discussion of it. Okay. Let's move on to the next question. Uh, next question is uh, one of our one of my physicians completed a TURBT of multiple bladder tumors, but he never listed any size. Instead, he says aggregate greater than five centimeters. My understanding was that we cannot use this, and he would need to note the largest tumor resected. Can you please provide some clarification and education so I can let the provider know how to proceed or if the aggregate size is sufficient for billing? Ray, do you want to take that one? Sure. Uh, unfortunately, the, the code says excision of tumor or tumors. And Medicare, in all of their wisdom, have has decided that they will not pay for a guesstimated aggregate. They will only pay for the largest tumor. And for a while, we could do the aggregate in the private sector, but now most of the privates are, are demanding that we do exactly as Medicare. So you would need to go back and find out what the largest tumor was, and that's the size you have to build. Mark, anything to add? So I don't really. I mean, the, Ray's right. I mean, it's the, it's the combination of the code and the interpretation that the payers have in place. Um, it, it really is about the the size of the largest bladder tumor. Um, and even now, I think that the AUA position is the largest bladder tumor. It's not about adding the tumors together. So you, you want to go back and make sure that your physicians are educated to give us give size estimates on each tumor so that you have the biggest tumor to code from. This is another example of uh this, this system is not always fair and not always logical, but it is the way it is. All right. Then let's go to the next question. The next question we had is, uh, one of our providers is using a vacuum device called Calixo when they do cysto or uh, cystolitho procedures that remove the stone fragments after being lasered. Is this something we would bill for? And uh, 52352 maybe. And as always, thanks for the help. So this, so we've, we, you know, in all of our discussions about stone manipulations and stone treatments and all of those things, you really need to remember uh, two things. One, 
the description of the code and how it's worded, but second, the definition of global, right? And so the anytime, and as we've talked about, you can build two different stones if they're in different organ structures and you manipulate one and you laser another one or you, 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 as you're treating them, they're in different organ structures. But if they're in the same organ structure, the way everything's read right now, you can't bill for multiple stones. And this uh, description overall is the, the stones are treated by laser. The global says you need to complete the procedure. The vacuum device is really cleaning up the kidney for stones in the same section or the same anatomic region. Um, so uh, although it's good for the patient um, to have this done, it would not be separately billable. That I'll add to that, that, you know, the, the, the thing that we still see missing at times is the understanding of the global payment. And the global payment, when you're paid for, in this case, for the uh, ureteroscopy and the lithotripsy, you're paid for uh, everything it takes to get you to that point and everything that happens after you've lasered it related to that. So this is a stone fragment. And regardless of where the stone fragment is, it would still be a part of the basic procedure because it's, as Mark said, you're cleaning up that, that the rest of removing that stone. And you've already been paid for removing that stone. So you, you definitely couldn't charge for it. All right. And that's uh, the, the common example that you refer to that if you laser the, the stone in the kidney and the fragment falls down in the ureter, you can't bill for removing a stone in the ureter because it's just part of the procedure of removing the stone from the kidney. Or if it fell into the bladder, even though your bundling may tell you you can, since it is a fragment, you shouldn't bill for it. All right. Uh, anything else to add to that, Mark? Nope. Okay. okay. All right. We'll move on to the next question. Uh, yeah. What is the correct code for excision of a scrotal cyst? Depends on the size, um, but uh, it, and I'm assuming we're talking about a benign cyst, um, and and so I would consider that a, a benign lesion. And look at the codes one one four two zero through one one four two six. You know, if you read the header in the excision of that section, um, cystic lesions are in that header. Um, so um, that's where I would look. There isn't. There is a scrotal wall abscess uh, code, um, and then scrotoplasty codes. But um, in this case, I would. Uh, drop into the tegumentary system for that. Ray, anything to add on that? Nope, that's exactly correct. All right. Well, those were our, uh, the questions we wanted to cover today. Uh, anything? Anything else to add to the overall discussion? 
Not today. Not for me. Am I right? Very good. Well, I'll leave the last word to you, Ray. Happy coding. Thank you for listening to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and staff achieve peak economic and practice efficiency so there's time and energy to focus on patient care and a happy life. Special thanks to Carl Painter for the music today. You can find his music under his record label, The Juicery, with extra pulp and special guests.